I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind... On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Well, what about Tyson Jacks? I'm talking about Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 15, the SP Futures down 79. So we're, we're leaking the other way this week after a huge November. Uh, do we have Mr. Carl? You most certainly How do. How are you, bud? I'm about well, bright and early on you a know, Tuesday. Yeah, I, I'm not really very surprised by all this. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, what I found most fascinating about the, the rally last week was that you had an awful lot of it, despite the fact that the uh, negative inclination of the yield curve was actually increasing. Now that doesn't make any sense. You think that all this stuff matters as much as it used to? Because it seems like there's all, all kinds of other crap going on here. Well, I think it does and it doesn't. Uh, the it's, as I've opined before, I think the biggest dynamic that's in play right now is that uh, everybody that trades, uh, all the way down to the you know the little guy like me sitting behind a screen. Uh, have all gotten very used to the Fed and Congress ignoring the inflationary impact of the things that they are doing, believing that they can go on forever. And not entirely without cause, because they have gone on for 20 years. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, there's, you know, even though it's stupid, even though everybody knows it's stupid, even though mathematics is is never wrong, uh, they've they've sat there and said, "Well, you know, that's that's just how it's been." I mean, you know, we were we were having that that uh, little debate back and forth in the email list about you know the whole stuff with Stockman and some of the things he's had to say and some of the the things that you know different people have had to say. And it's and what I think is fascinating about so many people in the marketplace is that they can look at a thing, make a prediction, and the prediction doesn't verify, okay, whatever it is. Uh, 
<laughs> you know, we have this huge thing going on. We just had we had cop going on this time. You know, the the climate guys are out there. Oh, you know, we're all going to broil to death. Okay. All right. Well, guess what? Um, I happen to remember the 1970s when Leonard Nimoy was running around uh, pontificating that we were all going to freeze to death. And it was on the cover of Time magazine for crying out loud. I mean, it was it was the you know the impending disaster that could not could not be prevented because there wasn't anything that we humans could do that would change the fact that we were going into another ice age and we were all going to freeze to death. Well, don't some people think that when it, it, before the ice ages it actually heated up? Well, it, it it's cyclical. Hello, yeah. All right. I mean, that's the evidence. Um, <laughs> and actually, we're we are in a interglacial warm period. The if you look at the actual ice cores in the history of the planet, uh, the planet has been cold for a much a much larger percentage of the time than it has been warm. However, it, it's cyclical. Okay, and so. Uh, the thing is, though, is that we, we were all told we were going to freeze to death. That didn't happen. And then we were also told, and I don't know if you recall this, but back, uh, you know, if we do not stop human carbon emissions by 2000, uh, Miami is going to be six feet underwater. And the Maldives are going to be gone. And because they're going to be underwater. And all these other... All, Bangladesh, all, you name it. Yeah, I mean, you know, all the, we're all going to die, okay, if you just want to be blunt about it. Um, and it's uh, it's 23 years later. Um, we which didn't is, which is nothing in cosmic time. No, but we didn't stop it, and we're not all dead, okay. Um, you know, we were told that that was, that was going to be the end of winter, and and there seems to be a whole bunch of global warming on the ground uh, I think, up in Cadillac. I think uh, there is actually ways that if people are really really stupid, they could they can change the the weather locally for sure. Well, perhaps, but it, you know the the other part of it is that of course we we are much less than careful when it comes to the quality of our data collection. You know, sticking a thermometer next to an air conditioning exhaust. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which of course gets rather hot in the summer, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's pulling the heat out of your building. Uh, you know, go, go, on a, go on a New York subway on a hot day when a train comes in with the air conditioning. Right. I mean, you know, or the or the other thing you could do is, you know, you 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 have a thermometer in a place, and then you build a a nice blacktop uh, parking lot next to it, and uh, then you're surprised when it reads, you know, a couple degrees hotter than it used to. Uh, gee, big shock, right? The, the the thing is, is that we we do this kind of thing, and then we, you know, we look at this this data, and we say, uh, and and when you look at the actual data, we only have about fifty years worth of truly accurate global surface measurements because that's when we started putting satellites up in space, and we could see the entire planet. Okay, uh, prior to that. We only had measurements where there were humans at a given point in time, which was not everywhere and still isn't. And, and large, you know, expanses of the ocean were not really covered well at all. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's data quality problems. There's all sorts of things. But the, the interesting thing about this conference is that you actually had one of the sultans that said, you know what, um, what you guys are, are recommending, number one, isn't going to change anything. Secondly, you're telling us we're all going to go back to living in caves and, you know, having yeah, a campfire. It's, it's not going to happen. Well, and India 
has said, we don't care what you think about coal, we're going to build uh, many gigawatts of new coal-fired power plants over the next you know, 10, 15 years. Why? Because right now, uh, we have an awful lot of our population that doesn't have any electricity at all. Right. And, and by the way, they don't even have flush toilets, and we kind of sort of like to fix that. And you pigs are not going to stop us. And so, you know, that, and that, to me, by the way, seems like a perfectly reasonable thing. But in the context of the markets, we see the same sort of stuff, okay, in that here we are with, with crazy inflation that has happened in prices of virtually everything. All right, we have we have a government that has declared. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not according to the CPI. We're nowhere near that bit. Uh huh. Okay. According, yeah, yeah. Okay. According to the CPI, right? Um, that's that's why house prices have basically doubled, right? We have some guy. Last, we have some guy this morning saying the Fed is so out of touch that they need the lower rates. I have a real quick comment. I want to get to some of the stuff that. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I passed around. This is for the listeners. I passed around this thing from the. Epic Times, or saying it's pretty. I guess it's kind. Of, I don't even know what they are. My Audrey sends them to me. Um, but they're uh, normally right side, I'd say. But David Stockman wrote this article. And he was what he was Clinton's head of economic advisors or something. Um, he goes back to Reagan. But he uh, he was actually on the show one day. He could have been my worst guest. He said he had a book out. He basically had a ten-minute stump speech. Wouldn't answer yeah. any questions and. The guy could talk for 10 minutes without taking a breath, which I was, you know, how the hell did he do that? But anyway, he, he writes this thing here, and and I, I will say this. I'm, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of his conclusions or anything, but I think the, the dude has access t- to a lot of stuff that I don't. Right. And he also, you know, when I want access to stuff, I call Carl, but it, Carl wasn't the Council of Economic Advisors. I mean, this dude, I, he has... More, more access to these numbers, I think, than either you or I. But hey, so I'm reading this article, and it, you know, some of it, you got to you got to fall out of the idea that because somebody agrees with you, it's a good article, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you can't well, it, it, you, you know what? It, it, it's the old thing about a blind squirrel finds a nut every yeah. now and then. Yeah. Well, you know what is interesting, though, Carl, is I I don't know if he's a monetary guy or what the hell he is, but I mean, he's an economist of some sort, uh, or many sorts. I don't know. I mean, the guy's he's written a bunch of books. He's not a dummy. Yeah, but well, it's he's, int- he's he's a he's a a former budget analyst. for yeah. crying out loud! I mean, you know, it's yeah, that's a money guy. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm saying it's it's funny when I when I talk about the inflation stuff. And my background is the University of Chicago. I'm a monetary guy, and it just so happened I kept with this my whole life. You know, mainly because my job allows me to, or maybe because my job forces me to. But it is funny when I always talk about the inflation. I always start in 2000, where it really started, where Every year, the money supply growth is two to three percent higher than the growth in the economy, and that's really right. when it's been going on since then. And Carl has been the one who's been the smartest, saying the reason why it was sort of hidden for a while is it all went into hospitalization, in the medical area, and people didn't notice it, and they just and they. Then when he starts here, but here's what I, I don't understand: how he gets these numbers, Carl. And I don't, I don't, I don't know how how to prove them out one way or the other. And this is what, I'll read this one paragraph because. One of the themes here is that um, some people, and really, really bright people, uh, my brother being one of them, and a lot of people that I talk to, I think a lot of our economic, quote, mistakes that are made by policymakers are just legitimate mistakes based on the data made by good people meaning well. And I used to think that way, and now that I see the same thing happening over and over again, in my opinion, 
and the same people benefiting, I'm not so sure it's all that random. I, as I look, look back, I'm not sure that as a sideline in his job, Volcker didn't put the savings and loans out of business on purpose because the banks wanted the business. I mean, I, I, I look back at it and I go, he didn't really have to do that type of thing. Anyway, but here's a, here's a paragraph that I would like you to chew on, uh, Carl, because it's numbers that neither one of us, I don't necessarily came out. Anyway, he's talking about inflation since 2000. Since money printing went into permanent high gear after the dot-com crash in 2000, which I agree with, the top 1% of households have gained $20 million each in inflation-adjusted net worth. They're not talking about salaries. They're talking about houses and stocks and stuff. Right. Likewise, the top 0.1%, or 131,000 households which are in the country, at the tippy-top of the economic ladder, have gained $88 million each in inflation-adjusted net worth. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And uh, we're talking about not even, you know, having to work overtime to get it. We're talking about just your houses and your stocks and stuff that you own then have just gone up. It's this... It's right now, if you look at income numbers, the income numbers aren't very good. Look at the wealth numbers, the wealth numbers are staggering, especially after November stock market rally. Am I correct? Yeah, I- well, it's, and, uh, you know, but what I, what I keep seeing uh, happen is that, and, and I think the last three years have really put this into pretty stark relief for me uh, to a degree that maybe I didn't believe quite so much until then. And then now I do, and and that is, it isn't, it isn't that they're trying to kill you. It's that all they care about is the money, and they don't care if it kills you. Right, absolutely. They, they literally don't care, and it's and it's it's a depraved indifference at a level that if you were looking at this from a standpoint of a of you know a prosecutor, okay, you're going to put somebody on trial for you know for manslaughter example um, you would argue this is depraved indifference and therefore it's murder too and it's and it's everywhere it's not just you know it shows up where it ends up killing people is in the medical system of course because gee hello uh, I mean you know that's what we're talking about right is people's lives but in the markets uh, I don't care if you're bankrupt and thrown in the street. Doesn't matter. I could care less. I don't care that you know wage and hour laws. Those are for little people. Oh yeah, we'll find. We'll find. We're going to find ways to get around them. Whether it's importing a bunch of illegal Mexicans to tend our fields because we don't want to comply with wage and hour laws, or whether it's setting up all sorts of 1099 job shop type setups for customer service employees so that we don't have to. You know, the law says that if you work more than 32 hours a week. Uh, your employer has to provide you with Obamacare uh, level health insurance. Okay, that's the law. That's that's what Obamacare says. Either that, or the company has to pay a penalty, has to pay a fine. Um, and so, rather than comply with the law, they set these things up. Now, you know, when I was younger, I did some I did some job shop stuff in the technical side, which was an entirely different thing because that was a Here's a company that has a project. They need to evaluate these five different computer systems and operating environments and figure out which is the most, you know, which is going to be the most cost effective and the one that they should use for this project. And oh, by the way, they don't have an IT department group that can do this. They could hire them, but then in six months, 
uh, they'd have to fire him because it's a one-shot deal, right? Right. So, okay, so we're going to bring a consultant in to do that, and and rather than then we handle that as a 1099 and have the IRS crawling up our butt as to whether or not we properly characterized it, we'll go through a job shop. And, and that kind of thing is perfectly fine. I don't have a problem with it. I did that kind of work when I was younger, before I started running my own shop. And... You know, I mean, it was a good way to pick up some, you know, so some money at a at a pretty decent hourly. Uh, but of course, all the taxes were my problem. But now, what you have is all these firms, if they can't offshore to India for whatever reason, okay, and some of them reasonably can't. I mean, there's you know, there's issues with quality. Oh no, 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 no! What we're going to do is we're going to set up this two or three layers of indirection. And these people are 1099 employees. We don't have to worry about whether or not they go over 32 hours. We get we get a crush. We put these these hours up for them to bid on. And oh, by the way, if you go over, you end up working 40. That's oh, that, oh, gee, sucks to be you. Um, oh, by the way, you don't get time and a half either. Well, there was a. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to do the Andy Mayberry thing here, but there was some sort of uh, when I was younger, uh, the people who. Let's say when I was at Pullman, I was 25 years old, okay, or 26 or somewhere in there. And uh, the people who were working out in the shop versus the people who were running the place, there was a, I'll say there was a, the guy who was out there welding might have been a ship's captain, you know, and the, and the guy who was, who was the vice president of marketing might have been a buck private, but they were in the war together. Right. There was a, there was somewhat of a camaraderie. Um, or you, re- you didn't disrespect somebody just because his job was different than yours. But I, I think now that the the way we've... I have some uh, friends, well, I hope I have a couple of friends, and their families, uh, the kids have all moved up to like Winnetka and those places. And the difference in their world versus even the difference in your world, Carl, or mine, is, is night and day. I mean, I can't imagine what it is, you know, we live in, you know, somewhere where... You know, even in Mount Greenwood, much less Inglewood. The difference in sports facilities, the difference in wealth, the difference in how many hockey games kids play per year and how many cities they travel to at age 12 to play. It's not even on the same planet as normal people. Yeah. I don't even think they know any normal people. But that, well, this is the group we're talking about. But, I'm, you know, this is not a... I'm just saying it. it's not like they're bad or anything like that. It's not like they hate anybody. It's just the the... the the, the separation is night and day. Oh yeah, and but the but I think we got here and we are here because the rule of law that is and and uh, you know the whole reason we have these regulations is is to put a damper on this sort of thing, okay? Because if I have a lot of money and power and I can screw people with impunity and nobody can sue me. And and you know nobody will prosecute. Then I, I may as well be a feudal lord. Oh yeah, well without a doubt. I I mean that's that's essentially what I am at that point. Well, you know, is a total and, a total feudal lord or the guys who own uh, professional sports franchises. Yeah, and but you take a look at like for example the the situation that uh, you know that that we had happen in the U.S. government after Arthur Anderson where it, it literally became formal policy of the Department of Justice to not indict a corporation. Okay, now think about the, the implication of that. Okay, it's formal written policy not to do it. 
Why? Because there is a law that says that if you are convicted of a felony as a corporation, there are certain contracts you cannot have. Period. You you are a you you are a marked individual, marked company, just like you are as, as an ordinary person. If I'm convicted of a felony, I cannot buy a gun. Okay? Um, well, uh, if if you're a corporation, you're convicted of a felony. There are jobs you cannot have. Okay, but all right, you got us. Well, I, you don't have to do anything, but I'm, I, I think pause for a second because <clears throat> the the hubris of the accounting industry, <clears throat> which caused all this, in my opinion, is they never wanted a regulator. And for what, if your industry has a regulator, you think that they regulate because they want to help you. Yeah, good luck. They 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 regulate so they can they can protect the, the biggest people in the industry. They get so close. In my industry, it's heavily regulated. But some of the stuff that the bigger firms have pulled since I've been in the business, even simple stuff on the trading floor, once in a while somebody would be, you know, do some dastardly deed when they when they did a trade, and it's happening probably worse now on the computers. Uh, you know, crossing stuff, all those kinds of things that making you know, giving somebody a bad fill, not not doing your due, due diligence, all those kinds of things. The regulator protects you from the justice system. When you see some of this stuff, where uh, you know Joe's Joe Jamok firm, you know, <clears throat> not Goldman or whatever, or a bank. If a bank ever, the stuff that they say, well, we. Without admitting or denying, we're going to pay a $4 billion fine to somebody and somebody, and we're going to give all these people restitution. If that was in court, that would be a felony, right? Right. Felony is what, $100? <laughs> so, I mean, with, 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 the, with, the, with, the, with the accounting firms are so dumb, <clears throat> they never had a regulator because they, they thought they didn't want one. You want one. If that was, I, if, if that, yeah. what Arthur Harrison did, if they had a regulator... It had been what, ten million dollars without admitting it tonight. Right, and but see, the thing is, this it's it. it, it the, yes, it would have been ten million dollars without admitting or denying. But the problem is, the person that got screwed still got screwed. Well, but that happens all the time in <clears throat> these other industries. Well, I understand that, but you know what? You're supposed to have recourse to the law. But you don't. You don't. Well, you're right. You don't. That's the entire problem. Yeah, that's the whole point of it. You can't if if uh, well, I'll just minor. I was so long since I go on the trading floor, but I'm gonna say 99.9 percent of it was legit, and a lot of it and some of it wasn't. And the stuff that wasn't was always done by a member firm. That were a big member firm. Yeah. And uh, and you know what? I'll give you an example. If, if somebody walks into a trading pit and says, "What's the market on the 30-40 call spread?" and the crowd goes. Three ace a half, and they go. Well, we're going to pay five ace. We're going to take half of the other side. We'll split the rest up to you guys. Well, let's see, hundred lot times twelve fifty. That's a th- that's uh, what eleven hundred twenty bucks, right? Eleven hundred twenty five dollars. You just stole. Yeah, that's a felony, isn't it? Well, well you you well, especially when you do it a hundred times. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, but I you know I look at this kind of stuff. We we try to find okay where's the you know where where's the system broken why is it broken and the reason is I mean you know as I've as I've pointed out for a couple of decades now within the medical system in particular 
right? All of this stuff, you know, you you hear all the time. Well, you know, these guys are special. They've, you know, because there's insurance involved, you've got, you know, you, you have McCarran-Ferguson, which is a law that regulates the, the conduct of insurance and essentially it exempts insurance companies from antitrust as long as they're under state regulation that provides the same sort of protections that otherwise would be available. But it, 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 it protects them with individuals well, backwards. It doesn't pr- pr- protect them, in my opinion, doesn't protect them forward to hospitals. Well, hold on a minute. It protects the business of insurance. So colluding for the business of insurance is allowed. Right. That's what I meant. Which is which is why Geico and Progressive and Amica and Allstate and State Farm and Farm Bureau can all have a database that has all of your traffic citations in it that they share between them, which otherwise would be illegal. And therefore, you can't hop around to avoid the fact that you just got surcharged because you got six traffic tickets, okay, or four accidents or whatever. All right, so that that is, is something that explicitly was passed by Congress. The Supreme Court has ruled that pricing between insurance and non-insurance firms is not covered by that law. Which means you're <clears throat> Blue Cross in the hospital. Which means Blue Cross in the hospital colluding to set prices is a felony. Only if somebody goes after them. Well, only if someone will prosecute. Yeah. It's been illegal for a hundred years. And yet, and, and by the way, not a fine either, not a civil no. infraction. It's a criminal felony due 10 years in prison for each instance. And All right, Carl, we got, a, we got a dash, bud. On Friday, yeah. we got to go through the labor numbers. Why? Sometimes they give them on the first or the second, and sometimes they don't. It's generally speaking, if it falls on the first, a lot of times they don't just... I, maybe the guys at uh, the BLS would prefer to have an extra day to get drunk, I suppose. Well, November only has 30 days, too, so maybe that's part of it. Yeah, you know. Anyway, we'll talk to you on Friday, if not before. SP Features down 16, NASDAQ Features down 84. Be right back to Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, 
Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lauren Wolpe, Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow with Greg Tapas on the board. SP Futures down 1650. NASDAQ Futures down 83. This is after a down day yesterday, but we did cut the rail or the sell off pretty much in half by the close, but. We're still down. Dow futures down 88. Uh, individual stacks. We've got Home Depot down a buck. Well, one was up. Was up a bunch yesterday. For some reason, Home Depot and uh, Costco and all Lowe's, all those kinds of firms were up yesterday, even though the market was down. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 43.2 percent. FTSE down 41.5 percent. CAC around up 20.2 percent. So no agreement over in Europe. A mixed bag. Over in Asia, AK down 455. That's 1.4 percent. Um, Hang Seng now 318, uh, 16,327. The, and the Shanghai is down 50, under 3,000, 29.72. So not good over in Europe. It's been heading down over there for a while. Hong Kong stocks drop to one year low. So there you go. Yes, the uh, Dow was down <coughs> 41, uh, SP down 24, NASDAQ down 119. And again, uh, we were down way, much, way more than that at one point. The bonds down five basis points, 4.23, a long way from 5% a few weeks ago, well, maybe a couple of months ago. Blend down six, 2.29. Uh, we've got oil down 12 cents, 72.92. We've got gold um, down 40 cents after a massive turnaround yesterday. Traded like 21.15, closed the day at 2,040. That's a huge move. So we're down 23 cents, 24.67. We've got Bitcoin, which has been rallying, uh, down 11 bucks today. 41,809. We've got the U.S. Uh, dollar up a little bit against the euro, 108, and up a little bit against the pound, 126. What do you got for us, Greg? Good morning, everyone. It is 634 here in Chicago, 35 degrees right now, 41 light snow today, turning into rain. That's about an hour. Phoenix is 49 degrees right now, 80 today, mostly sunny. Traffic inbound Kennedy from Montrose is 22 minutes, inbound Edens from Lake Cook is 46 minutes. Wolf um, to the interchange 33 minutes and Ryan 95th to the interchange 30 minutes. Stevenson from 294 to the Ryan is 31 minutes. NHL Coyotes Coyotes beat the Capitals at home six six to nothing. That was never close. They scored five in the first period and it was uh, one more later. And um, Let's see. No NBA, but we do have the NFL. Monday Night Football was Bengals win at Jags. That was uh, field goal in overtime, 34-31. to 31. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. The uh, Jags were 8-3, right? I'd have to double-check. Will for you in a second. 
Yeah, they're, they're sneaky pretty good this year. Yeah, and it was uh, the Jags, I think, what's his name? Trevor Lawrence got hurt for a couple of minutes, but... They were, uh, it's the first time in Monday Night Football in a long time for those guys. Yeah. All right. Do we have Professor Joel? We do. Joel, how are you, bud? Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Hal. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Well, are you uh, Are you happy with your Rose Bowl? Are you going? Uh, well, uh, let me give you a cup. First of all, I, have I ever given you my professional football betting tip? Oh, God. Oh, God. Right. Never give more than seven. I would agree. Never agree. It never, even on the road. Because last night, and, and I don't, just full disclosure, I don't bet professional football. Um, <clears throat> the the uh, uh, since he was a ten point underdog on that. So, um, <clears throat> am I going to the Rose Bowl? I am not going to the Rose Bowl. It, it this is going to be a long answer. First of all, I'm zero two at the Rose Bowl. Okay, zero two. So my record's not great there. Second of all, my daughter Dana and I have a lifetime pack where. We are only going to championship games. There you so go. we are booked, um, and I violated it last year when I went to the semifinal game and we lost, so she's not too happy with me. But I will be going to Houston if Michigan makes it. And I just want to tell you that I am absolutely thrilled that we get to play Alabama. Because I think you might be the only one there. Yeah, you could be alone there. <laughs> That that video that was circulating that was a pretty big groan when the when the announce announcement went out. It was not, yeah, yeah, because I I, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what they're thinking about, uh, you know, maybe Florida State getting in, but we are going to annihilate Alabama. What's and the, the spread? reason is the Michigan's. Uh, it started out at Michigan favored by two and a half, and I think it's right around two two and a half. Jags but are fa- eight and four. By the way, yep. What'd you one. say? We're talking about the Jaguars, the Jaguars last night. Eight and four, yeah. Well, they oh, lost yeah. last uh, night. Eight, yeah. yeah, they were. You could have just asked me. I could have told you that. Um, I so the spread started out at like two, two and a half, and I think it's moved a little bit. The reason is is that their their strength is their quarterback, right? Their running mobile quarterback. Our strength is our defense, our defensive line, and our defensive backfield. So I'm already diagramming plays for Harbaugh. They just need to contain that guy. Also, my number one factor for determining best college football teams is how many guys are going to play on Sunday, okay? And out of Michigan's 22 starters, I think 25 of them are going to play on Sunday. And, you know, I know Bama has all their five stars and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and Nick Saban's the greatest coach ever, but there are more players on the Michigan football team they're going to be playing on Sunday than Alabama, and that is the determinative factor. Yeah, that could be the first time in forever that that's the case, but I would agree with you. And they, I was pretty impressed with the uh, Alabama's two cornerbacks. They think both those guys might be first-rounders, right? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they got a lot. I, you know, I have it I have it drilled down. I probably have a little bit of uh, tunnel vision on, but I just have been focused on Michigan and what Harbaugh has created. These kids have a chip on their shoulder. Also, uh, Christian McCaffrey, right, of the San Francisco 49ers, he's changing the, the landscape of the NFL a little bit, and the running back is become going to become more important. You see how many different ways they use him. I think Blake Corum, 
is going to be a great NFL running back. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to be a good NFL or running back for Quorum, quarterback for McCarthy. I think we got Mike Sanistrill on defense, uh, forced two fumbles in the Big Ten championship game. He's a big-time player. I mean, these guys on the line. I mean, the problem with Michigan back in the day with Rich Rod and everything is Rich Rod thought, you know, you could have 200 fast 270-pound guys block, you know, slow 330-pound guys. Uh-uh. That doesn't work. You need you need the beef, and that we got that. We got I don't know how many defensive linemen that are like between three hundred and three thirty. So that's my take. I'm probably you know like I said, I probably have the Michigan goggles on, but that's that's the way I'm thinking right now, Chief. Probably not back in the minority. It, I ain't back it down. Probably minority in that uh, I think the line has actually moved for Michigan over the past day and a half. It's what the line actually is now uh, Michigan favored favored, but depending on where you look, one and two. Well, that's, so, that's about where I would have it. Yeah. It hasn't moved much, but how how do you like the way they suckered in those Ohio State people, right? The line started out at uh, five play. and a half, yeah. and they just kept on batting Ohio State. They kept on batting Ohio State. They kept on batting Ohio State. They get the line down to three. They were hoping for a midler, you know, like a, a four, four-point game. Uh, but Mich- Michigan ended up, you know, ended up winning by six. So they and ended now that up guy's transferring. Do you see that? What guy? Oh, McCord. More than one guy. Oh, there's a mass exodus out of Ohio State. I mean, they're they're having to open up an extra exit leaving Columbus. There's so many players leaving Ohio did, State. Uh, when did I mean I, my my guys were all over this? My Notre Dame guys, not the club, the show guys. When when did you when could you hit the portal before the bowl games? Was it always like that? Yeah. So that's yeah. not a change. No, it's not. No, I, I think I think you can hit the portal in the middle of the season. Okay, so the, if you want. the the two uh, the really good end at Notre Dame was wide receiver and uh, he's in the portal freshman. I mean, these guys is is uh, is is class even a thing anymore? I mean, they must they talk to agents uh, all day what long. What are you talking about, Chief? We've been talking about this for years. It's just a college football has just become a smaller version of professional football. I mean, you know, and and, the, and I'll tell you one. La- I'll tell you one thing about Harbaugh and the NCAA. Do you know why the Big Ten and the NC the Big Ten commissioner has egg all over his face and the NCAA? You know why they hate Harbaugh? Well, because he's for reason. the players. He is for the players. He wants the players to get paid more. And the universities and the conferences are raking in billions of dollars. And you know what? A very few uh, uh, percentage of the kids that play college sports or college football, they're not going to play in the NFL. They're not going to get paid. This is their opportunity to get paid while they're in college. And uh, you think you think the Big Ten, you think the NCAA, which is perhaps one of the worst-run organizations in the, in the history of organizations, do you think that they want to take money away from the colleges? No. Harbaugh's sticking up for the players. He wants to get the players paid, and that's why this whole God, you know, sign stealing thing. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, oh, what happened? That happened two years ago. What's happened when and now? We're still stealing signs. Well, when you're when you're, I have a buddy of mine who uh, used to be on a board. It wasn't after a while. When you start rattling people's cages, you got to be pure than Pharaoh's wife. Right. 
<laughs> I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. Uh, I haven't heard you that. You better. You gotta. You gotta watch everything because you know they're after you. Yep. yep. So you so you don't do stupid stuff like send people to steal science. How about he did it? This guy did it totally independently. He did it on his own. Had absolutely no idea what was going on with that. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know those details as much as you do. But what do you make of this market? I'm worried, Chief. I'm worried. What what I, I, what what in God's name happened to gold yesterday? I cannot find out. It was up twenty six bucks Sunday night, and had a huge spin and finished down forty five. Ah, man, just the machines, man. Don't was that, know just, that, be, was that just because of the dollar? Ah, you know, dollar smaller. I mean, you know, they they come on, chief. You know, they ran some stops. Some people were short big time. They blew them out of the water. All the momentum guys, oh, this is the breakout. We're going to 3,000. All the mo- all the systems get long. And then the institutions come in and just pound them and annihilate them. There was no fundamental. You could stay up. You could do research for the next 100 years to try and figure out. Dollar schmaller. Everyone talks about, you know, the, you know, the dollar. You know what? It's the machines that are running this market. And the machines wiped out the shorts, sucked in the longs, and then flushed out the longs. That's what happened to gold yesterday. Um, well, there it was, yeah. Now, is it going to go back up? Ah, oh, man. After a wild day like that, you got to put a couple lows in the same area and uh, build a base. Let me take a look at the gold chart. And, yeah, if yeah, if yesterday low low holds, then, yeah, we can grind our way back up to 2,100. What do, you not, make, what do you make of the fact that the, the future is uh, higher than the February's higher in December? February is higher than I mean, is it that I mean yeah, seventeen you know, bucks? That's kind of a lot. Yeah, the old back. I mean, um, I don't know because they think gold gold's gonna gold's going higher. Yeah, that's um maybe maybe it's not so easy to have gold in and out of the system like other stuff. I mean, like the you know the S and P's, it's easy to to store those, right? Yeah, maybe exactly. it's not so easy to store uh, gold and stuff. So. uh yep. The Rose Bowl is obviously on January first. When is the uh, the playoff games? A week later. One week from that. Uh, a week from Monday. Uh, I, I be- Wait, are they doing it the eighth? Um, they wouldn't be doing it on a Saturday night, right? Or a Sunday night? Oh no, Monday. Monday. Yeah. Yeah, it must be going to do it on uh, Monday. Yeah, they're going to do it. Yeah, they're going to do it one week. Uh, yeah, the eighth, January eighth in Houston. So but, it's, they're uh, being they're playing it at a at a professional stadium, not at a. NRG Field in uh, Houston. Yeah, but not at like last year. Didn't they do two in a row at the Orange Bowl or something? No, no. Last year it was the uh, uh, Fiesta and um, I believe the Orange. And I cannot, I cannot. Oh, and the final was uh, was out in California. Was at uh, SoFi Stadium. Okay, so, right. where the Rams play. So, but I got a hot cheese. Right, as care, always, bud. go blue. Talk to you next week. All right, SP Futures down seventeen. Nasdaq Futures down eighty nine. Leakin will be be right back. Stocks and Jacks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. SP futures down 17, SP futures down 89. Um, Dow futures down not not that much. And Dow futures are only down 97. Well, because they've been up so much. Do we have? A, we, don't, we don't have Kenny, but we have the professor. Don't we had Hal? We don't. Maybe we don't have him yet. Um, in any case, I want to go through a little bit more of this thing from uh, uh, Stackman because it's I found it pretty fascinating these numbers because he puts them out here in such a way that. Uh, Basically, I wish I would have done it that way. Um, and again, he's got people working for him, so you know what the hell. The uh, I'll do this before we get hell. You know, um, he says the net worth. Uh, we just went through the part we did not just when when Carl was on. Went through the part about the, uh, the t- since 2000, because of the inflation rate, the top one percent of households have gained 20 million each <coughs> in, in inflation-adjusted net worth. Oh, here's a question for you. Okay. When you said uh, earlier, I think it was the with Carl, people had or the top point oh one percent or whatever it was had gained forty million. Eighty eight million each. Eighty eight million each. Is that in line with inflation or is that more or less? That's that's what they're saying. If if that that group because inflation has driven the wealth up, we're, we're separating wealth from income. Right. So the wealth went up more or less than the inflation. Well, uh, way more. Way more. Well, it, so it does for the, you because you're. What was the top? Uh, what was the top wealth before? Uh, well, we could go back and get the wealth numbers, but they're not in this area. Was it, if you if you if, if you can lo- match that up against percentile? So if the percentile was, uh, I don't know. It, if if they were worth sixty million before and now they're worth eighty million, I mean, is that more or less than? Than the average. No, what, what, what they're talking about is there's, there's, when we talk about GDP and we talk about people's income, we're always talking about how much people are making, right? Right, but they had a net wealth before. Right. And but so they but then there's the change, wealth index. They so measured a change of, of right. 80 mil. So is it, is it they, they, is 80 mil more or less than 40% of what it was before is the question because if they, if it's, if it's true that um, inflation has or the the policies have benefited them, in well, your I mean, your cost of living up. is up eighty two percent according well, to the CPI. Cost of living I know, doesn't since, really mean much for them. What, what they're saying is, if you didn't do anything, if you just had the stock market, you weren't even leveraged, and you had houses and those kinds of things, baseball cards, you name it, that that piece of of people's wealth, right? They were up eighty mil. A person. Yeah, a person. So eighty mil is, is. I'm saying I don't know. I don't know where exactly. I start off by saying I'm not exactly sure where he got these numbers, but I've never seen these numbers before. So they're kind of fascinating because he puts a number on what I suspect happened. 
and that was Stockman who did it. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they started because if if that's well, I mean, I think it's it's probably fairly easy because there are statistics that tell you how much of, for instance, the the stock market is owned by what percentage of the population. So I'm sure they started there. But if you take houses, I mean, it's it's got to be houses and and stock is ninety percent of it, isn't it? Well, the the average person has also, if you own a house, has also increased their wealth. I'm wondering as That's a right. percentage value, who's benefited more? It would seem that if it if they are it favoring, well, obviously, you know, the the more assets you have, the but if it's a percentage uh, increase, that would mean that um, that would mean that it's more skewed towards the the whatever percentage the percentile that that he mentioned was yeah well it, it, that's that's just whole if it was leverage it's even more but, we, but you're not getting here let's just work down a little bit because you can just compare it to regular people regular wage earning people because even though no he's not even he's not even the same planet as me where he thinks the CPI people are crooked because even though the CTI CPI tends to under undermeasure the cost of living on Main Street owing to its fla- fla- flaky hedonic Hedonics adjustments for quality and other statistical razzmatazz. This imperfect property for cost of living is still up 82% since the turn of the century. And I'm going to say virtually everything we care about is up almost 300% and 80%. But I I did that work a while ago, but let's not worry about that today. Accordingly, during the last 22 years, the median real annual wage is tracked by Social Security payroll tax records. has risen by only 14.5%. Um, as opposed to the 80% on the CPI, or just 235 hours per year. And no, we didn't omit any zeros from that figure. These piddling gains amount to just $4.50 per week on average. People have gotten a raise since 2000. Um, is this the same article? Yeah. I need to find an article that isn't blocked. That, I don't know. The I'll find it for the the listeners, but this one was blocked. Well, yeah, by, you got to be got to be a Google member of Epic Times. Boy, <clears throat> Audrey bought me a membership. I can send it to you. I'll send it. I'll, I, I I can. Uh, we can cut and paste it. I think can't we or something. You're good at this stuff. So anyway, these these this is what I talk about all the time. I mean, because they're they're talking. But this this is one. This paragraph here is unique because I never saw this before, and I should have thought of it. I should have expressed it to the listeners, but I never did. These annual inflation-adjusted gains in the median wage compared to real net worth gains of nearly $1 million and $4 million per annum for the top 1% and 1.1%. In other words, the people here, the, the wage earners, were gaining something like, you know, what did I say, $250 a year per year, and other people are gaining $1 million and $4 million per annum. The difference between wages going up and wealth going up. And I've said a million times that when I was a kid, the way you saved money was you you made a hundred hours a week, you lived on eighty reasonably comfortably, and you put twenty in the bank. Well, nobody thinks of that today, do they, Greg? I mean, it's, now it's get the right stack and open a stack. Well, if goes you up. do that, you need to be careful because inflation is five percent or whatever. That's exactly right. Um, because yeah, eat your stuff up in the bank. Because in relative terms, these annual wealth gains for the top one percent were forty-two hundred and fifty times larger than the median real wage gain and 17,000 times larger for the top 0.1%. So if you're a working stiff, you are a working stiff. But now, now granted, so if you if you work for the right companies or you put your money in a 401k, you might have been able to participate in some of the other stuff. 
Okay, so I got not, it here. So, so it's not all front. So, but, but here's the, here the. Uh, this is the part I got to get to this paragraph. Maybe I'll, I'll worry about that one. What what I didn't do it was the top one percent have gained twenty million in inflation adjusted net right. worth, and the top one point one percent has gained eighty eight million each in inflation right. adjusted net worth. Okay, here we go. Inflation adjusted. Well, it says here, this, but this is the weird part. And uh, there's stuff in here that I didn't. Needless to say, outsized gains at the top of the economic ladder are not owing to a superior growth of national income, which in turn might have been reflected in higher capitalized values for financial assets. Instead, the bulk of these gains are attributable to valuation multiple expansion. Thus, the net worth of the top 1% computed to 135% of GDP in 2000 and now stands at 207 times GDP. Likewise, 207% of GDP. Likewise, the net worth of the top 1% rose from 50% to 85% of GDP during this period. So stated differently, the values of stock, bonds, real estate, and other financial assets have soared because the Fed's massive emissions of cheap credit and excess liquidity, which we talk about all the time, have caused their prices to be bid skyward by leveraged speculators. And that part of the problem can only be effectively addressed by banning the Fed from conducting open market operations on Wall Street and owning or collateralizing government debt, as we amplify below. That's just half the problem. The real median wage um, is cited above is lagged badly because the Fed's inflationary policies have drastically reduced the purchasing power of domestic wages, which, duh. At the same time, it has also forced a massive offshoring of high productivity, high pay goods and services output and employment, thereby causing the mis- mix of ways in the U.S. economy to skew steadily lower. This guy must listen to the show, and he wrote it up. But here's the part, we still don't have Hal, eh? Well, we did, but... But here's the uh, here's the part that I, I've never seen before. I don't know, Greg, if you... Uh, Says it turns out the above cited an median annual wage for 2022 was slightly above 40,000. So, by half, by definition, half of the nation's 172 million work, 72 million workers with wage records earns less than that amount. To be exact, 84.5 million workers posted annual earnings of 40,000 per year or less. So, what did George Carlin say? Think for a second how, the, how, one of them. How, how how stupid the average person is, and half of the people are stupider than that. Or, <laughs> I mean, anyway, I don't agree with that necessarily. But so, but I, but I, this is a number I never saw before. That if you take the median of the people under the median, so we take the people making less than forty thousand a year, the median there is only seventeen nine. I would never have guessed it was that low. Would you? Well, that's the the I don't know. The, what you would call the underemployed people, the people no, these are these are retired. people are working full time. In full time, I, I don't know the definitions get. Oh no, no, he goes on to talk about the rest here. So, that's right. The average worker in the bottom half of the wage distribution generated earnings that did not even remotely support a middle class living standard. In fact, this figure amounts to only sixty five percent of the federal poverty line for a household of four persons. Right now, the federal poverty line for a household of four persons is twenty-seven, seven fifty, and the the median of the of the bottom half is not even close to where the poverty line is. It's barely above the fourteen five poverty level for a single person household. Household. That's so. In other words, another the overwhelming bulk of eighty-four point five million workers in the bottom half of the wage distribution pulled in paychecks. 2022, which were below 
or just above the federal poverty line. I never, I never dreamed it was that bad. Did you? I'm. Uh, I don't know about this. Is there? There should be, if in a credible arg- argument, you should have both nominal and and percentage uh, measurements and put them right next to each other. And then this this says he's doing the the supposed. Uh, inflation calc for you and then talking about a different argument in the bottom this this doesn't follow in my head we have to i mean, I mean he's using the cpi anyways we got to break and hopefully have hell at the end of the break sp futures down 17 as if he's 87 be right back stacks and jacks this self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gave for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. What it is. Low North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures now down 15. NASDAQ Futures down 79. We've been right about here really from since last night again yesterday we were down pretty heavy and came back near the close almost came positive on the dow we were down almost two percent in the uh nasdaq and we only finished down one so even though we were down we had a, a comeback on the close so it wasn't that bad of a deal do we have the professor hey tom how are you bud you were here earlier and then you disappeared well uh i was uh, walking my son to school and he had caught me uh, sneaking a listen to the show as I was walking back. <laughs> oh god! And I, don't, I didn't want to. I didn't want the street noise because you know New York with the honking. <laughs> Are they honking at you? No, just honking, honking at people. Just like a, a bus away. will be trying to pick up kids, and there'll be about fifteen cars behind the bus, and the kids are getting on, and about fifteen cars are honking the bus to get going. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's very New Yorkish. <laughs> I bet you didn't have much of that in Idaho or Utah. No, you didn't. Well. Utah got pretty bad in terms of traffic. There are so many people moving in there. And, you know, you could be on the interstate for an hour going, you know, a couple blocks. I mean, a couple exits. It got it got pretty bad in Utah. Really? Well, you only had one interstate. Yeah. Well, they have one interstate, and it's about six lanes wide, but it needs to be eight because it's it's gotten really bad. I mean, we, we had an influx of people from California during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, business is booming there. You have uh, the Silicon Slopes down there at Thanksgiving Point between Provo and Salt Lake. And a lot of lot, lot of operations are moving there. Uh, I think it's because uh, 
tax rates aren't too high, but they're they're really rock steady. They don't change them. They don't lift them or lower them. And you know it's pro business, so there's a lot of incentives for people to relocate there. And it, and it's not too far away from uh, Pacific uh, Ocean markets. So just a lot of growth. And I, I got really tired of uh, living right in the center of all that traffic. Well, yeah, it's a. Uh, so you moved to Brooklyn. There's no traffic there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When you when you head south to your your other job in Carolina, <laughs> how the hell do you get out of New York? Which way do you go? Uh, I usually try to leave it um, around ten o'clock at night, and I try to get into New York around four o'clock in the morning. That way, I get get out of. Uh, I don't have to worry about the traffic, but I'll usually take. Uh, Staten Island. Oh, so you, uh, you you go south. You don't go through Manhattan then. Yeah, I go I go Staten Island, jump on ninety five, uh, and then cruise down ninety five. We have a we have an Easy Pass, so um, I'm a I'm a northeastern guy now with Easy Pass. Oh god, I got one of those too. Yeah, I I I, I, I took pride in not having one of those, and I got tired of paying the uh, fines and fees for not having one. Well, we've been following any of this stuff that we've been talking about with this uh, David Stockman article here. It's that. And he, there's a lot of statistics he has in here that you may, you may already know, but I'm I'm astounded by them because I don't I don't usually see them. Uh, yeah. I don't be, be, um, but well, I wrote a I wrote an article about this for the Mises Wire a few years ago about how uh, low interest rates are actually tax cuts for the rich, and I say that because what is a a person in the bottom eighty percent going to do with a lower interest rate? Well, you know they're probably living. Close to paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, wait, wait, um, wait. wait well, what, name me a person in the lower group that actually got that rate, except for maybe yeah. our house. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is, what are they going to do with it? If we hold everything constant, what are they going to do with an interest rate cut? Well, uh, because they are living uh, probably close to paycheck to paycheck, and um, they have a substantial credit card debt, they're probably going to buy stuff, right? They're not going to invest. Whereas, you know, people in the top 1%, they have all kinds of money and access to credit. And what are they going to do? Well, you know, consumer goods are probably a very, very tiny portion of their market basket each month. Well, unless, unless you go out and buy, they, they could, they yeah, could buy a yacht or something. Yacht. Yeah. Yeah. But what are they going to do? They're, they're probably going to use, they're going to have money and they're going to have access to credit to be able to buy assets on margin, right? Whether it's stocks or Bitcoin or whatnot. And so the low interest rates, uh, easy money, more than, more, more, uh, way more benefits them than the people in the, in the bottom fifty percent. So they're buying, they're they're buying assets, and because they are buying assets, they're buying properties. Maybe they're buying commercial property. Maybe they're buying real, uh, you know, residential property. Maybe they're buying bonds, stocks, Bitcoin, whatever. They're buying assets. Maybe they're buying NFL football teams, but they're not buying it with cash. They're buying it with leverage. They're, they're taking loans out to buy these assets. And what, what what does the Fed do? It creates money. It lowers interest rates. It makes all that much, much cheaper for them. So an interest rate cut, Democrats support them. Republicans support them. They, they support the Fed cutting interest rates. But all they are really, in my opinion, <coughs> are just tax cuts for the rich. And if you don't like tax cuts for the rich in terms of well, I, I lowering the income tax rates, why do, then, uh, how, can you, how, how can you be in favor of the Fed artificially lowering interest rates to benefit the the top 1% or the top 2%. Well, I actually did a, I'll use a, I'll use the term, a half-assed study just on the Internet. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't know bank 
you know, presidents or anything like that where I could call them, but I think I did a uh, a deal between 2000 and uh, when, when did the Fed start going to like zero interest rates? It was uh, 2000, 2009. 2000, yeah, I, I think I did a, a study from 2009 to two, 2020 before COVID where interest rates went from, you know, whatever, four and a half or something or whatever they were down to like zero. And, uh, and I think I, credit card rates actually went up. So the it, it was never forced down the system. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think that if. Uh, well, in terms of mortgage rates, though, right? Mortgage, mortgage rates, rates, yeah. But I'm saying, in terms, in, in terms of, but but that inflated the housing problem. I'm saying I don't, I don't think that if, uh, if if, Chief and 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 Hal and and Greg Plumbing Company was doing pretty well, and we had five fully outfitted vans that cost you know a hundred thousand bucks by the time you put all the parts and stuff in there, I'll say eighty thousand. Now it's probably a hundred thousand by the time you buy a new van and everything. Um, I think if we walked into the bank, I think it would be harder for us to get a loan. Plus, I yeah. think I think Dad and I think I don't think that loan ever got below six, seven, seven and a half, eight. I I don't think those guys ever wanted walked in there and walked out with a two percent loan, like Amazon yeah. does or something. And I and I'm going to say that it's harder because the, the idiots that did Dodd Frank want personal guarantees. From us, even though we've never missed a payment on our other debt for 25 years, all of a sudden, where I don't think yeah. Jeff Bezos gives a personal guarantee, does he? That, that's the. I mean, what you're saying makes my argument even stronger. Well, yeah, because I'm not disagreeing with you. Did, yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm, it makes I'm, my argument stronger because those I'm, giving, I'm giving you. Pa- I'm trying to give you yeah. page two. There. <laughs> <laughs> what about this guy, Greg? You can't even you know, can't even agree with this guy. He's mad at you if you agree with him for God's sake. No, I, I I appreciate it because it makes my argument stronger. Because in that article I said, suppose you know people have the same access to credit in terms of interest rates, uh, it's going to benefit the top the people at the top end uh, because they have cash. They're not going to buy assets with cash because the return on a cash purchase is whatever the asset goes up by. But if you leverage the thing with fifty uh, percent uh, debt and it goes up ten percent, I think you get a five hundred percent return. So there's no way these people are going to use cash to make these purchases they're going to leverage it uh, massively with loans and it actually, doesn't matter if it's bitcoin actually you know what carl you're carl i'm sorry we just done hell you're you're somewhat you're somewhat wrong there you're talking about like the regular people yeah. but at the, at the real high end and this is the uh, discussion i had and, and greg knows our posse that hangs out over in the series a couple nights a week and how contrary that group is uh People who buy, maybe you can explain this to me because I cannot, from any any of my cost accounting financial background, the people that buy these sports franchises, they're always, it's it's I don't know I don't know what the attraction is except they always go up in value. Uh, you're buying something, and these guys are all paying cash. This lady that just bought the the piece of Mark Cuban's face place sold stock in her company at fifty six times PE. Uh, you know, so it, to them, we're talking about a level here that really is monopoly money. She she yeah. she, she sold two billion dollars worth of stock and bought. What'd she buy, Greg? Fifty-two percent or fifty-eight percent of the team or something? Or because Mark Cuban still has a controlling interest over twelve percent or any something along those lines. But she paid cash. Now, I think that valued the team at Greg four, three and a half, five somewhere in there. I let's say let's say the bear, the bears. 
most places now, if you read somewhere, the, the, I'm going to say the lunatics that value this stuff, say the bears are worth six billion, say, or or five. But let's let's pick six. Don't isn't there? We've had interest rates low for so long, and nobody gets any money in the bank. Does anybody not have a clue what an implied interest cost is? I mean, if I have <laughs> if I have fifty bucks, much less five billion dollars, uh, and I have it in my pocket, I'm aware that I just lost money by tomorrow by having it in my pocket because it, the implied cost I should be able to get a treasury I can get 5% right or 4.5 or something for 30 days so by not by having it stuck in my pocket I need a pretty big pocket I know but but in other words these this transaction I'm stumbling here a little bit but I pay 6 billion for the bears alright now if I were to go borrow that money it's got to be it's not going to be 25 like some schlump on a credit card like the rest of us all pay. Say it's yeah. 5%. If, if we actually would, I don't think a bank would lend you $5 billion to buy the bears. Yeah. But I'm saying, because if you showed them the income statement, they'd be horrified. So let's say you have an implied interest cost of, or say they'd would it. I don't 5%. know, they would do a margin loan, that's for sure. And what? Uh, Steve Ballmer bought... But uh, what's it called on margin? Yeah, but it, but it was his his Microsoft margin. It wasn't the bear stock margin. Oh well. Yeah, a big they, difference. It's what I'm saying is is, is okay. Well, you, wh- who says you, you have to go to a bank though? I mean, uh, Elon Musk. He he didn't use cash to buy Twitter. Right, what, what, he cobbled that together with all kinds of different loans from all different kinds of investors. Okay, my my point being is I'm paying six billion for this place. By my calculations, which I think are probably close. Your if if even if you get a five percent implied interest cost, that's three hundred million a year. Yeah. Right. The bears on their best day, best day, make I'm going to say one eighty million, which is a lot for a family, but it's it's not even it's barely half the cost of the interest would be. I mean, you're buying it because you think the Fed's going to keep doing what you're talking about, Hal, and, and, and Carl does the same, the same way. You're, you're banking on this thing being worth $10 billion five years from now. Yeah, even, exactly. Even, yeah. even though they never made $500 million a year or something that would justify that kind of a cost. But, that, but that's how upside down this is, right? People, I think people buy a team, one for the prestige, and you know they don't, they don't get put on TV for you know, owning some company uh, that builds... Uh, a specific kind of, kind of computer chip for a, a car. They don't get on TV for that, but man, they get on TV for making pronouncements about their football teams, right? So they, I think they do it one for prestige. Two, I don't think they really care what the the operating revenues are. They're not about maximizing profit of the Bears. But you you would if you sitting, actually you would if you actually had to take out the loan. But they yeah, don't because what they're, what they're doing. What they're doing is they're waiting for the, the, the team to appreciate, and they can sell it for a profit. Well, I, yeah, so and I, I think that's why the, the traditional model of, hey, these firms are profit maximizers has kind of gone out the window. Well, that, what, they're, what they're banking on is this inflation. I think I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble formulating this during the show. Maybe I should write it down and send everybody something. But I think it, it comes down to Stockman's first paragraph, that some people, the top level of people over the last 23 years, have had this huge upsurge, upsurge in wealth that I'm not saying they didn't earn because they own the stuff that went up, but they have. They, there's no concept of I have to work an hour and a half to pay for lunch. This is this is essentially monopoly money mentally to people. Yeah. 
I got my my IBM stack that I that I was fortunate enough to to uh, get from my old man when I was at two thousand was worth three million bucks. And IBM's a bad example because they don't up that much. But if I leave the dividends and everything all in there, it's now worth fifty million bucks. So if Joe's selling me a yacht for five million duck bucks, what's the difference? <laughs> I still got forty five. It, it, it leads you to a different mentality almost. It's not it's not even money anymore at that level. Because yeah. because no, does, does anybody have any idea of how long you have to chop wood to make fifty million bucks or something? I mean, we're, we're not even on the same planet, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, I went to the Chick Fil A last week to buy stuff for my workers. Is one of the guy's kids who works with me. You know, he's a pretty good worker. Uh, that's all I want is Chick-fil-A. So I go there. The, the guy in front of me has got two daughters and a son. His lunch is 80 bucks. So I look on the door. Chick-fil-A is hiring 17 bucks an hour. So I'm sitting there, okay, if that guy is working at Chick-fil-A, he worked all morning, he came by lunch for his kids. I mean, we're, 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 we're totally skewed in, in value versus labor here versus people who have wealth. I've never seen it quite like this. The only time I can find it like this in our economy is in like the late part of the 1920s, and I sure as hell don't want that to happen to equalize th- stuff up. Just saying. I, I got you with that one. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you, Tom. I mean, I think the Fed is creating this inflation, and it just it benefits the people at top. It really does. And, and when people say the Fed is a market system. A market institution they're wrong it's not no. a market institution it's a central planner that uh sets the price of interest rates by adjusting the the, the growth now it just does it with edict but um, in the past it would do it with money printing right and, and now it can print so much money and trap all that money in the banking system by capping or putting a price floor well they on, also uh, but they rates, so. i think what that does they put so much money in you know i, I think what's happening is you're seeing inf- inflation still happening I think some of the reason for that is it t- it's that the lag time when I was in school they would say any monetary yeah. policy would be would be six months. I think if you put so much in, it's longer than six months. Yeah. It might even be well, a couple especially of years. When you have, especially when you have a price floor on it, you and that price floor unemploys all those reserves, right? If you're a bank, you're not going to lend at four uh, percent when you can lend the Fed at five percent, right? At the interest on a re- uh, reserves rate, so it, it traps a lot of reserves. In the banking system, and they're they're unemployed, right? No, no different than unemployed workers when the minimum wage is set at a binding binding level. You get unemployed workers, and they have unemployed reserves. And right now, the Fed can buy and sell without affecting interest rates because that 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 um, federal funds rate is binding at the interest on reserves rate. Well, and it's really messed things up. I think it's it's length. I think it add like you said, it added this time lag to it, right? In the past. When an open market operation, a purchase or a sale would adjust interest rates immediately. Now, when that happens, they don't because this this rate is binding. Um, they can add or subtract reserves in pretty big levels without affecting a, the interest rate much. And so I think that has put a lag in it. I think instead of like what you said, what, six months? I think the lag is now maybe one to two years, right? Because they can put a bunch of money into the system and it doesn't leak out right away right it doesn't leak out right away so I, th- I think we're feeling the effects of inflation still even though you know m2's coming down right uh-uh. but it's not coming uh-uh. down it, it's the same it's, but, com- it's the yeah. same spot as it was last april 
Yeah, but it's not coming down relative to where it was when they jacked it up during the pandemic, it, right? It went up 40%. It came down 4 yeah. Now it's been steady for yeah. nine months. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I gotta, so, I mean, it's still up. Hey, I'm going to ask you, why in this one... I had never seen this number before. Why I... I, I the... Uh, the median wage number. I mean, if you go to the uh, U.S. debt clock, they got it at thirty-six, thirty-seven. I always thought that was kind of light. I thought it was closer to forty. Well, uh, Mr. Stockman here, uh, he claims eighty-four point five million workers posted annual earnings. Well, the, he's got the median number at forty, which was exactly where I had it. Which I don't know. Well, I guess it was a good guess on my part. But here's the here's the the clinker uh, for me anyway. I never thought about it, you know, but if you if somebody would have asked me, asked me, uh, what would you think the the median wage was for the people under the 40? I don't know why, but I would have said 30. I would have thought there were would be a real lot of people gummed up at just under 40 in a 35-32 range and the median the median of the bottom half, I would have thought would be somewhere above 30. And he's got it here at seventeen nine. I would I would never have guessed that. That's that's pitifully low, isn't it? Um. Well, it's called the first quartile, so I'm going to look it up for you. No, it's a se- I mean, it's, be the first and second. He's he's, he's he's talking about the the median number of everybody is forty thousand. Yeah. He's taking that the median number of the fifty percent under forty. I don't know why, but I would I would have said thirty one or twenty nine or somewhere in there. I would never have guessed seventeen nine. I would never have guessed it well, that low. Well, I, I, I think just in terms of data and my understanding of data, I would think that incomes incomes are heavily skewed if you include everybody, right? But once you get to the median, I think incomes are more symmetric. Right. I, I would agree. Yeah. Hold on. Are yeah. we talking so working if it's age more, people? Yeah. If it if it's more symmetric from the median down, somewhere halfway in between. Zero and and forty is probably pretty accurate number, I would think. Well, because I mean, we're talking about so full time workers. Think it's probably about twenty. I, I would not have. I would uh, not have guessed that many people work full time, yeah. and twenty five percent of them make under seventeen nine. How do you work full time and only make seventeen nine? Well, I also think that people are trying to avoid. I just think he's wrong. Firms are trying to avoid hiring people more than thirty two hours a week. So well, that that brings I, us, I would think that brings us to a next uh, the next paragraph. As it happens, a good part of the problem is that overwhelming bulk of the 84 million workers not only receive low hourly rates, but also experience gainful employment only on a part-time or intermittent basis. Just for instance, there were 29 million payroll records in 2022, so this must be accurate stuff, where total earnings were less than $10,000, with an average of 4250 Even at the minimum wage, the latter would amount to only 566 hours of paid employment at minimum wage, or about 28% of a standard 2,000-hour work year. Likewise, there was nearly another 10 million workers who posted earnings between 10,000 and 15,000, with an average of 12,477. That amounts to just 1,650 hours of paid work, even at the federal minimum wage. Um, so that covers like uh, Greg. You know when the when the 7-Eleven? Oh, not here, the 7-11. here, this says median income per person in 2019 was 42.8. Okay, where? So that's, I mean, doesn't that mean that... If you look at the Fed, the Fed's got it at 37, which I think is low. The uh, the debt clock's got it at 37. It's it's in there. It's right about there. But isn't that two years old? Three years old? 
20, he's talking about 2022. 2022. This this is from uh, what is it? Income distribution and poverty stats at oec.org. Maybe that's just the BLS has it different. I, I mean, it's there's different places that have it in different spots, but it's you, we were, we're talking about uh, working earnings that you, you wages. We're not we're not talking about earnings and like stocks and stuff going up. But no, it, but I mean, w- it comes down to somewhere in this middle number here, because I mean, what what I've noticed in my as you know the last decade or two, in in, in my era, um, if somebody told you you made hundred bucks an hour, <laughs> uh, which would be nice, uh, you immediately figured, okay, that's four grand a week, or you know, a hundred bucks times two thousand hours in a year is two hundred grand. Well, you can't do that anymore, right? I mean, even the, the ladies over here at the Dunkin' Donuts, the day that the minimum wage went up downtown here, the, the guy cut them from eight hours to seven. Well, if you if you multiply stuff times a 32-hour week, you come up with a big difference in, cra- in, in scratch, right? So how many people do you think, Greg, are, are working 32-hour weeks or 27? Andrew, who does a show on Wednesday, he's working one of these chicken joints. Chicken joints, how's that a south side term? Because there's nobody there works 40 hours except the managers. I mean, it's got to be all over the place, right, Hal? Well, if you look at uh, the two tw- the third quarter of 2023, there are 122,000 workers um, uh, 16 years of age or older, and the first quartile was $754, uh, I think, a week. And then the median second quartile is about 1,100, and the third court third quartile is about 1,800. So, I mean, it is skewed. And I think we're talking about here is people in the least, you know, at minimum, they're in the bottom 50th percentile, right? Right. So I think when you're when you're looking at 50th, the median and less, it's not as skewed as zero to the hundred percentile, right? It's not as skewed as that, but it, there is some skew. So given that skew, I, w- I would think uh, the median of the lower of the the zero to the median, that that median. I would say it's probably about 20, 25. Okay, but but if you look at say say people that are on social security. Okay, if you it means it means you're retired, right? Well, it should mean you're yeah. retired. Uh or or you got to pay some of it back, whatever. But I'm saying for most people I think it's about 2 grand a month, right? Yeah. So that's 24,000 oh, yeah. a year. You don't even have to go to work, right? So you don't well, you probably still have a car maybe. But you don't have to pay tolls. You don't have to do all the stuff. You don't have to ride the rails. How many people can live on that? You're not even working, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's gotten really tough. I, I 100% agree with that. I don't. Uh, it's so. What is if, if the if the median is forty thousand? I suspect the first quartile is about twenty two thousand. So I think David was a little low on it. Why does Why does Social Remember? Security say? Uh, where is it? Index is 5.32% higher than index for 2021. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Stockman has... His numbers are... Well, what do you think awesome. they are? you think they're 100 instead of 40? I don't or know. Or do you think they're 4,500? What's the difference? He's When when you start with the inflation adjusted, he just started with inflation adjusted. No, no, no. He said he, everybody's he, he, he made ta- 20 million, an inflation adjusted you're, $20 million. You're, you're, dollars. you're in paragraph one. Paragraph one was if he he's separating the wealth from the wages, right? But he's saying that they gained twenty million dollars when the 
the net worth of the top 1% now is 11 million. So I, I don't know. I just don't follow how he's getting to these numbers. I, whatever. I mean, I, okay. I, I'm just saying that they are, they, to me, they make some, they make some sense. I don't know how. Directionally, yeah. They obviously, the lower, the I mean, lower percentile I mean, there's no, there's no doubt that if, if you, if, if your, if your old man left you telephone stack the last 20 years, you didn't go up. If they left you Apple stack, you there's no doubt there's all kinds of different skews in this whole mess. But the, yeah. the point being, right now, if you looked at the health, wealth of the economy, then you were to say, how are wage earners doing over the last 20 years? You're going to get a totally separate answer than if you look at the wealth of the population. That's all I'm trying to, that's all I'm trying to put together here. And it's going to give it even more skewed if you look at the wealth of the top 1%. Right. Top 10, top that's 10%, exactly right. Yeah. The, only thing, the only thing that's dragging other people along with it are probably like 401ks and stuff. And, well, and if you look at check deposits and currency held by the top 1%, it's uh, $2.8 trillion, and that's as of um, – I think the Fed stopped publishing this because it's really gotten skewed. Uh, that's as of uh, quarter one or 2022, right? The top 1% hold uh, – have $2.8 trillion in check deposits and currency. If you look at the 50th to the 90th, percentiles we're down to and this is a lot more people right a lot more people are in the are, are uh, in that middle 40 percentile from 50 to 90 they only had uh 1.3 trillion dollars and you look at the people at the bottom bottom 50 percentile right in quarter two of 2022 they had 300,000 we're talking about half the population having uh uh, 0.2 trillion dollars in check deposits and currency. So, it, and it skews massively uh, right before the pandemic. Massive skew right before the pandemic. Well, I, have a- I mean, before it was pretty stable. The, those relationships are pretty stable uh, up until the third quarter of 20, 2019. Well, I have a- and then it just starts to diverge. Somewhere here, when I when I go back to the stuff I cleaned up, I have a piece of paper where somebody. Took all five quartiles, well, they wouldn't be quartiles, quintiles. All five quintiles, and from 1948 to I think it was like 1975 or something, virtually every one of those marched forward in wages and in well, income. I don't know about the wealth part, but maybe they it marched forward almost exactly even. And since 19, the late 70s, it has totally skewed toward not, but it, the weird part is it's not just the top 20%. It's the top 1% of the top 20%. It's, if it was the top, tw- the top 20%, you know, went past other people because of maybe investments they made and so forth, that's one thing. But it's not even that group. Now, the question is, we, as economists, well, you are an economist, and I'm kind of a half-assed one, uh, all of us kind of instinctively know that the economy is probably better off with 500 people buying a bass boat than one guy buying a, a you know, a thousand foot yatch, right? Even though the numbers come out the same, right? I mean, probably. Uh, so, what what is the fix? And and uh, I hope it's not a fix like the cra- crash of twenty nine, where the people with money came flying back down to the rest of the people, like jumping out of windows almost. We don't we don't want that. Yet we don't we don't want this to go much further either. You know, how do you, 
What's the fix? Well, how about after break, you give us the fix. I'll give you a minute to think about that. SP Futures down 11. NASDAQ Futures down 55. Coming back a little bit. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rope Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Greg on the board, SP Futures. Uh, the headline says this is a pause in the rally. Uh, Greg, now is that investment advice? No. If I were to say it's no. just a pause, am I telling people to buy? That's, what am I doing here? That's what the Fed says. It's their opinion. Oh, God. SP Futures up down 11. SP Futures down 56. We actually have the VIX. I want to still 13.2, Greg, so nobody's believing the sell off, I don't think. Uh, at least not yet. Dow Futures down 98 over in Europe. We've got the uh, DAX up 53.3%, FTSE down 44.6%, KEC around up 29.4%. In Asia, now this is, this is really interesting, uh, Nikkei down 455, 1.4%, Hang Seng down 318, 1.9%, 16,327. Uh, Shanghai down uh, 50 points to uh, 2,972. The CSI is at a fresh four-year low. Hong Kong stocks dropped to over one year low. And when hell's done telling us how we're going to fix our economy, he's going to explain to us if and when this Chinese fiasco over here is going to start bothering us with uh, Evergrande going down again even more lately. Uh, Yesterday, we came back on the close, but still the Dow was down 41. S&P is down 25. NASDAQ is down 119. NASDAQ was down over 200 at one point. 
uh, bonds uh, down 8 basis points, 4.20. Uh, the bond minus 7 basis points, 2.27. And Japan uh, down 3 basis points, 0.66. So interest rates are coming down on the 10-year. Oil down 70 cents, 72.34. Brent down 70 cents, 77.34. Natural gas up 3 cents, 273. We've got gold uh, up 310, 245 after being down 40 bucks yesterday. So I guess that's a, not even a dead cat bounce. Silver down 7 cents, 24.83. We have Bitcoin, which has been on a tear, only up 115 today, only 41,935. We have the U.S. dollar uh, mixed, mixed unchanged. I'm going to say unchanged. 1082 on the euro and 126.3 British pound. Greg, what do you got for us? Trevi Weather Sports. Good morning, everyone. 7:36 here in Chicago. 35 degrees right now. 41 light snow today, turning into rain right about now. Phoenix, 49 degrees, uh, 80 today, mostly sunny traffic. Inbound Kennedy is 42 minutes from Montrose, 85 minutes from Lake Cook. Uh, from Wolf is 53 minutes, and 95th to the interchange on the Ryan is 39 minutes, and the Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 47 minutes. So Tuesday, Tuesday's definitely a lot longer than Monday and Wednesday, this, or last last week. NHL, Coyotes beat Capitals. That was 6-0. They were at home. Uh, no NBA for, for us last night. And the NFL, the Bengals won at the Jags. That was from a field goal in overtime, 34-31. So I got Chief. Thank you. So you, you two uh, gentlemen, in this day and age, everybody can define everything for themselves. Morals, whatever it is. This is like we're in the moral relativism. There's, there's a site, I'm reading this from the Washington Post, breaking news. The U.S. just set a grim record for mass shootings and deaths in a single year. Fatal shootings this weekend in a Vancouver, Washington suburb and Dallas pushed the nation to 38 mass killings with a gun this year, highest number of any year since at least 2006. The eight deaths and the latest strategies bring the total death count uh, for 2023 to 197, which is also a new record. Now, my question to you, gentlemen, there's a site, I don't know if I haven't seen it in a while, but you can go and you can look at shootings, or I don't know if it's shootings, it must be shootings, but I guess if you knife somebody, it might be on there too, but shootings in the U.S., there's this massive database where you get to choose yourself how many people have to get blasted for it to be considered a mass shooting. You can pick four, you can pick eight, you can pick six. What would you, what would you guys pick to be a mass shooting? I would redefine it oh, to God. whatever you, makes it lowest. <laughs> you put 50 in there. Exactly. Well, then you got like two or three. Well, see, their numbers are going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the, the recession. Could anybody... No, I'm going to play politics. This yeah, well, that's... Make a, it whatever you, you, you uh, want it. You could be, uh, you know, if... if, if uh, never if, mind, it's snowing again. If, if, Hal, if Hal and I landed in the Oval Office, we would have you as our spinner. You, you could be our spinner. <laughs> Well, I learned from Doug Redman, first of all. Well, then you learn from Se- the best. Second of all, I mean, why would you do it any other way when you could just make yourself look good? I'm saying you can... I asked what would you do on this yeah, page. I would say mass shootings are about 1,700. Well, if you, if you put... there's been one if you put the There's been one. What was the one in Vegas? What was that the in biggest one? No, that's in Ukraine. Oh, <laughs> I guess that's a mass shooting, yeah. Um, anyway, whatever you get to do that yourself. This this site was pretty fascinating. It's pretty, pretty uh, uh, eerie, but... It was fascinating. So you, if you pick like six or five, hell, if you pick three or four, we got how many a weekend here in Chicago? That's the name of the game. It's whoever gets to write the rules. That's that's how you know who is is going to win. 
Um, Al, have you ever met anybody um, basically half my age that's this cynical? He's, he's worse than me, and he's only half my age. Well, I'm, I'm pretty cynical, too. <laughs> my, my, my econ class is pretty de- uh, depressing. <laughs> God. Well, um, so how, how uh, if you see this happening, and I guess here's kind of a summation paragraph from, uh, uh, it says, that is to say the U.S. economy is badly broken. Yet you do not hear a peep from either wing of the uniparty. The above-cited figures have been the same in relative terms for many years. Yet President Donald Trump claimed to have produced the greatest economy ever, and President Joe Biden has a nerve to endlessly tout the virtues of Bidenomics. If you just admit it, just it's not there. That that's not really a broken leg right there. You just it, you just have a blister down there that's hurting. Here's a little more, another shot of morphine. You can go with that for a while. But if if you wanted, if if somebody actually gave a crap and stuck the three of us in a room, we'd, have, we'd be arguing with Greg the whole time, but uh, stuck the three of us in a room, and we were to say, these are the top, these are the steps you take right now today to put us on a, a path to, to, of some sort of fix over the next five or ten years, what would you do? Now? I mean, I'm not sure what I would do my first, well, first thing I would do probably is is drop, at least drop the money supply growth rate down to the real growth in in in, in, uh, in production, which stops the inflation going forward. It doesn't help anything going back. I guess the first question is: Do we want to fight the mistakes of the past and lower the current price level? Is it so bad? I mean, right now, I I'll tell you, I you know, I, I probably you know, I think I could afford it. I it's gonna be a cold day in hell when I walk into a Ford dealership or Chevy dealership and write the guy a ninety thousand dollar check for a pickup truck. They yeah. they have priced me totally out of the market. I'll go buy a used one for fifteen grand or something, and I'll be happy as a clam for five years with the thing. I I want no part of that. But I yeah. I don't see how um, Greg, you meet some babe, and and she said decides, honey, we want a house, and you walk out there and everything's four fifty. You're going, what the bleep? This thing house isn't even that nice. I mean, we've we've priced people out of anything here. But like I say, look, I don't know that we need that we can fight that now. I don't. I mean, I. That would be a tough job. But I'd say first thing I would do is put the money supply at least on a course going forward. But that's like saying, you know, we got four holes in the in the bow of the ship. Now we just we'll sail it normally. I don't I don't know I don't know how you start. I mean you either well, have I think the first thing you have to do is you have to define what money is. And I don't think you can use reserves. See, no. it's gotta exclude reserves altogether because reserves, like we said in the earlier segment, they can be bottled up by the Fed with the Fed paying an above uh rate, market rate. Uh, called interest on reserves, so they they can bottle that up. So I think we take reserves out of it. But uh, whatever aggregate we end up uh, choosing can include reserves. And I think what you do is you just uh, change. You have to change the Fed's. If we're going to keep the Fed, you got to change the Fed's role. The Fed no longer gets to go on the news and talk about how hint that it's going to be expansionary, hint that it's going to be uh, restrictive. We got to. Nicks all that stuff in the in the bud. You mean you, no want, you, don't, you mean you don't want people trading on the news before they say it? Come no, on, come no, on! Just get rid of all that, that nonsense. That, that's very un-American. If you're one of the guys getting the yeah. sheet of paper. Yeah. So we need to we need to knock off that nonsense. The Fed doesn't worry about unemployment. The Fed doesn't worry about economic growth. The Fed doesn't worry about inflation. All it worries about is growing whatever monetary aggregate that we designate as a monetary aggregate, excluding reserves. You just grow that at the rate of population growth. Period. End of story. That's that's done. And you got to use uh, 
So yeah, we're, we're talking. We're talking here that I found. We're talking two and a half, three percent a year. There's there's a good yeah, graph in yeah. That's it. Uh, yeah. On Market Watch from a couple years ago that has the uh, U.S. net worth as a percentage of nominal GDP, and it shows going back all the way. Um, it says, in in summary, America's one percent hasn't had this much wealth since just before the Great Depression. Obviously, it's gotten worse since the article was written, but um, yeah, it would be interesting to see that on a world perspective. Um, also, because it's probably even worse. I would think. I would think. think I, it's I think worse? it's even worse in China. Greg, does that match yeah. up with this? Thing I don't know been... because there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of development there. I'm, I don't know how you would yeah. accurately measure it. Well, but... I think I think a lot of it accrues to the very very wealthy, connected members of the CCP, though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have you have lots of billionaires being produced in China right now, and which is kind so of I think, why I would you say, know, and they're. And their GDP, I think their GDP is uh, per person. It's still probably about eight, nine thousand per person, and ours is like I don't know forty, fifty thousand. Yeah. So I think per 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 person. The show notes uh, today. China's still got a lot of cool stuff. Well, Greg, yeah, they, Greg, they still got a long ways to go. Greg, do me a favor. Look closely at that chart. See if it matches up with this we talked about earlier. Thus, the net worth of the top one percent computed to one hundred thirty-five percent of GDP in two thousand. And now it stands at 207% of GDP. Is that about what you have uh, on there? Let me see. In 2000, that was closer to the dot-com bubble. Yeah. It says U.S. net worth, household net worth is a percentage of nominal GDP. I don't know if... Uh, this says it at 135%, and now it says the net it's, worth of the top 0.1%. It's more than it was in 2000, probably by... Yeah, it's a lot more. It's got it up like 50%. The next, in the next sense is like, likewise the net worth of the top 0.1 percent. Get a load of this! Wow, this is scary. Rose from 50 percent to 85 percent of GDP during a 22-year period. Did you guys ever see? Uh, uh, I, I, of course, I can't. Well, it's find all because it. of the Fed printing money and, and keeping yeah. interest rates low. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, when uh, what does Carl say? Whenever you what have is it, a certain uh, percentage of the population that can that can borrow money for less th- than the rate of inflation, you got a problem. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna make some money on that situation. Yeah. You don't you don't care about paying those debts back because no, yeah. it's less than the rate of inflation. The, the, the bank is paying you. Whoever lent you the money is paying your interest payments. Well, you know it's it's, it's when it, well you can't uh, when you, th- you talk about uh, our late friend Bob Golden always used to talk about Bizarro World. Wasn't that a cartoon somewhere? Well, that well, that showed up on the Seinfeld episode uh, it, as a theme, right? Bizarro was, Jerry. I remember that. I thought Bizarro it was a cartoon. I thought it was yeah. a cartoon. Yeah, it was but, a, but it showed up in the Seinfeld, in multiple Seinfeld episodes, right? Where Bizarro Jerry was actual Jerry was actually the the evil Jerry. George was the actual evil George, and the Bizarro versions of them were actually the nice guys. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, when you think about this, I, I was reading something a couple of weeks ago, and I think I've shared it with Greg, where somebody was talking about how stupid the the U.S. government was when the rates when they when they hammered the rates down to like one and a half percent for. 10 and 30 years to not sell a boatload of, of debt at that rate. Yeah. Now that it's back, now that, that it goes. That was because ba- it was Trump's idea. Well, I, but then fast forward like a year or two, you're worried about all these banks and insurance companies, everybody that bought this stuff, and now it's trading for 50 cents on a buck. Okay. Yeah, and the Fed, the Fed is bailing these, you know, regional banks out uh, because they're in that situation. 
And the Fed is running like a, I don't know, two hundred billion dollar loss. Um, yeah, well, I was looking at the losses of the Federal Reserve. They're, I, they're making losses on this, but, the but they can print that money. What the bizarre world part is, you'll, you'll interview these people. I'll be nice on, on TV, and they're being, "What do you think about this bank?" With these, you know, they have these loan, these mark the market losses, which are real losses, by the way. These mark the market losses on these ten and thirty year Treasuries. You'll have one of the people in the Fed kind of opining. They're the ones that sold it to them. <laughs> it's like yeah, the, no, yeah. this is the yeah. the craziest thing on earth. But if if I if I sell Greg a, a used car and the piece, things a piece of crap, but I go, man, where'd you get that thing? I got it from and you. Let's see. <laughs> I mean, let's see Fed, if I get this right here. And the Fed is printing the money yeah. to bail these banks out, right? The Fed's printing the money. Jerry, to bail he's them reliable. Out. He's considerate. He's like your exact opposite. So he's Bizarro Jerry. <laughs> Bizarro Jerry? Yeah, like Bizarro Superman. Superman's exact opposite. That's right, Kevin O'Neill says Bizarro came from Superman comics. Up is down, down is up. He says hello when he leaves. There's a Bizarro Cartman, too. God. He says hello when he leaves. Bizarro Cartman has a goatee. Did you ever read Catch 22? Greg would be the perfect major, major, major. The guy's name was Major Major, and they made a clerical error and stuck another major in front of it. So they started sending the guy checks like if he was a major, promoted him, sent him a letter, and he was a major. But he didn't know anything about being a major. So he had, a, he had an office, and you'd come to the office, and they'd say, I want to see Major, Major, Major. And they'd say, well, you have to, you have to sit right down here because um, he's, he's, he's here. And then, but he had a back door. He'd leave the office, and as soon as he left, you could go in and see him because he wasn't there anymore. Then when he came back, he had to go back out in the waiting room. And I and you say hello when you walk out. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you never saw him. He went out the back door. But that was oh, his shtick. <laughs> and he kept getting the major check every month because he was promoted. Major, major, major. Yeah, he was major, major. <laughs> so, yeah. Is it four majors or three majors? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was three or four. Majors. I think it was four. Major, 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 major. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think his name was his, his first, middle, and last name were Major, and they gave him another Major, and then they, they gave, started sending him a Major's check. They gave, sent him the what, what do Majors have? Stars or something? That stars. Because he joined like, the army. He joined, he joined the army. <laughs> anyway, and he stopped it when he was a major, so he was Major, 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 Major. But wh- how does how does the person interviewing one of these guys? God, that's why they don't want me. How did some? I would say, boy, I've got these these horrible bonds, these banks. So, Wait a minute, the horrible bonds are U.S. government bonds. You sold them to me. Yeah. I can't even. It, 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 it is, it's really, it is crazy, isn't it? I mean, well, there's, this, a uh, movie, there's a movie about this with Kevin Spacey, right? Um, what was the name of that movie with Kevin Spacey about the uh, financial crisis? Um, margin call? He had, to sell, he had to sell a bunch of, he instructed his people to sell a bunch of these mortgage-backed securities at the beginning of the day. Uh, he knew they were worth only uh, 20, 30 cents on the dollar. But he had to he had to instruct his people to sell them, try to sell them for as close to a dollar as possible, you know, ninety or ninety cents on the dollar or higher. And he said, if I do this, my career is over, right? Well, the Fed's career is not over. Right, right. Doing the same exact thing, right? Well, I they mean, knew these things were worth you know twenty cents on the dollar. So what do you what? Um, so what do you think is 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 the fix? Just just to, Time you know, the the piece of good news that I, I, mean, I people think I don't think a piece the piece of good news I see you know is 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 the way to get us out of this I don't know I don't know how you make it happen 
But the way to get us out of this is for things to just hang the way they are for three, four, five years. People gradually get raises. Stock market maybe stays right where it is, which would be okay if it's been up so much for a while. And I can just do covered calls for five years and make money for people. Uh, if everything just kind of hangs in there and start, you start to see a creep of wages, 3 4% a year, in five, six years, everything looks a lot saner, I think. But I don't see, like in 2007, even though I think the mortgage pr- house, housing prices are actually more skewed to the upside now in terms of people's incomes than they were in 2007. It's way worse. But I don't see yeah. massive amounts of, uh, of, of money, I mean, uh, mortgages that are collateralized, that are, that are being traded, that are that kind of... I don't see that sort of a, a bomb hanging over the thing. But it is it is pretty interesting. I talked a little bit earlier about you know monopoly money and stuff. I mean, Audrey has a lot. She's still got you know people buying and selling houses, but it's people that are kind of trading money and don't even don't even really. I mean, it, these are somewhat. This is not a disparaging term. Blue collar people that maybe bought a home in two thousand, okay, and they bought it for whatever hundred and some thousand. Now they're selling it for you know three fifty or something like that, and they're going to buy a townhouse. At three fifty, and it's and it's 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 monopoly dough, so they don't care. You know, you close one place, you bring the check over to the other, and you buy the other. So they're just making the trade, so which which is yeah. fine. But the the chances of of these people through their regular income ever being able to buy something for three fifty is non-existent. There's no, there's no yeah, chance they can yeah. do that. Yet yet. yet it's, it, the wealth thing is not just the high end; it's it's regular people, right? It's somebody mm-hmm. if you if you bought the house and twenty five years ago, it's now worth a number, but you need but you need a place to live, right? But you can take that house. I mean, the idea of of gee, there was a couple ladies in particular, the place she just closed. The the idea of they were both I think worked in the nine eleven thing for the policeman or something. I don't know, something like that. So what they make, you know, sixty five year possibly. Uh, the thought of of them walking up and buying a four hundred thousand dollar place, I, I can't even imagine that happening. Yet, because they had a place twenty some years ago, it's just it's trading, it's just trading monopoly money, and it, it's 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 so I don't think I've ever seen anything like this, any of the stuff I've ever read. Yeah, this is a weird world, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think the the solutions are you got to get rid of the CPI and all these price indices. I think they're all. Useless. I think in this uh, period of time where the the government has run up two trillion dollar deficits and the Fed increased the money supply by forty percent, I think it's I think we're realizing just how flawed these price indices are. So one, get rid of that, and just measure inflation with a long run average of money supply growth. Right. That's how you measure inflation. That's how it should be measured, minus population growth. And then the Fed should have one. Thing. If, if we're going to keep the Fed, the Fed should have one role. It's just to make sure the money growth. You mean is on the policy nice side? Smooth. On the policy yeah, side. Yeah, no more, no more, no more fiddling with you know unemployment and GDP and all that. None of that. Just if they want to write papers, fine. But all they do is they just keep whatever money monetary aggregate we def- we think is appropriate. Just keep that at the rate of population growth, right? You, and then you, you, you the like you fix. like Pat Milton Friedman. Those guys used to say, yeah. "Real, the uh, real, real, uh, real growth." Well, yeah, uh, you which, know, which isn't I necessarily, which isn't necessarily population growth. Yeah, 
what I, I what I uh, agree with, I agree with Milton Freeman on this because you know the Fed's not going away. I mean, they're not going. The United States government's not going to take it down. So you got to find something practical. And the practical solution is the Fed. All it does is maintain a constant uh, growth in the money supply equal to population. If that's what we decide to do, right? In that regard, you don't have to worry about you know in, income tax bracket creep. You don't have to worry about seniors get ripped off because uh, they're using CPI urban inflation as a COLA on their social security benefits. You don't have to worry about all that nonsense, right? Because, and then, and then prices will stabilize. Prices okay. will stabilize and they'll stop going up. All right, flip, flip the coin the other way. And Hal Snar is now a, a employee of, let's say, let's say somehow Greg gets elected president. And he goes, oh my God. I need these two guys Watch to help out. me. Yeah, and um, so you come in there, and uh, and I'm I'm all of a sudden uh, Greg's left hand man, and say, okay, Hal, your job now is not necessarily to care about people. Your 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 job is to is to get this government out of hack. Now, I'm going to say immediately because you're a very good economist. You're going to say, all right, how do I get the government out of out of hack, and how do I not care who else I hurt? Inflation is the best thing in the world for you because it does two things. One is I'm going to be paying people back money that's worth a third or a quarter of what I borrowed it from them. That's cool on my part, not so good for them. And, oh, by the way, every time there's inflation, every government makes money. I talked about not wanting to pay hundred grand for a, a Ford pick-me-up. Well, guess what? If the, if the, if the sales tax... Is stays at wherever the hell it is, say at nine percent or something. I now owe nine grand at a government for sales tax. Yeah. Or when it was fifty yeah. grand, I owed forty five hundred. Does anybody not think that that the single biggest beneficiary of inflation is the is the various governmental agencies? Oh yeah, uh, New York City loves inflation because they can raise people's property taxes without raising the rate. Yeah, the but that's assuming, to go up. that's assuming that they can contain their spending below the inflation rate. Yeah. Well, I mean, either way, the, the, right now, if if you if you ha- if you ha- if you bought a uh, a five year or a three year, I guess they have three year notes. I don't know. Maybe they don't. If you if you bought a, uh, um, that would be bizarro. Yeah. Well, but I mean, th- them if, containing it in less than inflation would would hurt. Well, their, well, su- well suppose they had. Suppose they had some money, Greg. Think of it this way. You're, you're a trader. I, I priced out on my bond. Now, it was a little, little worse the other day because rates have come back down a little bit. I priced out a 30-year bond bought three years ago. So you're left with a 27 years on a bond with a 1.5% coupon, and the, and, the, and the market rate is 4.5%. I think that came out to be 460000 bucks in value. So... The, the government, if they could, if they had any money, they could go out and buy that bond back. Three years after they gave it to some schlump for for a million bucks, they could buy it back for four seventy. How much better can the world be if you're a government? That's incredible, but nobody thinks of it that way. They you, could you, buy you, it back with. I think. I think most what, people. Though? I think most people don't really think More in real terms money. either. What? I think most. I, I don't think most people think in real terms when when they hear. CNBC say, <clears throat> yeah, uh, Walmart sales are up 3%. They don't think, well, inflation's five, so that's actually uh, a 1.5% decline in sales year over year, right? I think most people think 
in nominal terms. My mom thought nominal terms. When she got a pay raise, she'd go, I got a pay raise. And I go, by how much, what was the percent? She goes, 2%. I go, well, mom, inflation was three. Yeah. You didn't get a pay raise. You actually got a, no, I got a pay raise. And I go, what do you well, mean? Well, it could have been worse. It, by 2%. it could have been worse. She could have not gotten the pay raise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she kept saying she got a pay raise. I'm like, mom, you didn't get a pay raise because inflation is 3% and you only got 2%. Well, so you actually declined in your car. You're, you're both right. She got a pay raise. She didn't get an income raise. Yeah. Right? But yeah. at Pullman, I got a 5% raise because I was one of the good guys. Meanwhile, they, that year, the inflation was 12.5%. They thought I did great because 5% was the highest anybody who wasn't in a union got. And I'm going, guys, you just cut my pay. So it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a matter of point. Well, like, like the girl said in, uh, in Caddyshack, tanks for nothing, right? How long, how long were you out of uh, uh, Friedman's class when you started working at Pullman? Two years. I was at Alley Van Lance for like a year and a half. I did a... Uh, they needed somebody. This was my shtick in, in grad school. They they had, I mean, if you know, Allied Van Lines was act, all the. In those days, you didn't. In order for you to go interstate commerce with anything, furniture or I mean, household goods, whatever it was, you needed a governmental paper. You need a permit. So, yeah. if you wanted to pick up, you know, furniture in Seattle and take it to Chicago, you needed a permit from Seattle to Chicago. Well, yeah. Allied Van Lines had the permits for all the individual agents but every agent was an independent business so what I wanted to do my job was to go they needed an agent in every city to make the, the system whole right so my job was to go to the people who weren't doing very well and help them out help them with their books redesign their uh, you know their packing systems and that kind of stuff were, which is which I wanted to do that was my my thing with small business so I actually got to, to make you know 10 trips in a year or so, I was there to these smaller companies and help them out and do stuff. So it was pretty neat. But after I did that for a year and a half, I said, no, I want, no, I want some manufacturing experience. And I got the job at Pullman. And once I was there, I decided I want to become a trader. Actually, I probably would have stayed at Pullman forever, except we got bought out. I mean, I love the place. I mean, making railroad cars, I thought was spectacular. Nicest people I've ever met. I mean, I, I, I was really at home there. It was a great spot. And I got to travel a lot. I was uh, the financial... A program guy on a, the city of Boston on a, a push-pull commuter cars there, and I got to meet all, all the guys from Boston, talk about a bunch of weird ducks. I fortunately <laughs> I fortunately stayed away from, I'll tell some Boston stories next time you're on, I fortunately was, was late for the the New York Transit car. We built uh, the R46. I think Pullman built 745 subway cars in New York. I bet they're all out of service, the R46. Uh, they, were, they were advancements. But they had a deal with the city of New York. It was so crooked, Hal. It was so crooked. Maybe next next week I can we'll imagine. talk. Matter of fact, the guys that Pullman dealt with, they all went to, they went to jail. Oh but man! The first thing the first thing Pullman got involved. The first thing the, the guys told us was, uh, by the way, we like to go to Rangers games. So Pullman had four or six tickets center ice for the Rangers game, and we like to play golf. We got a golf membership at I don't know what's the nicest country club in New York. We paid a fortune for that. And all these guys went out and played golf on our dime for six years it took to make these cars. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> anyway, SP Futures down 16. ASA Futures down That'll be an interesting show. We used to, in Boston, we used to, remember, uh, they were going to Anthony's Pier 4? You ever heard of that place, Greg? It was one of the top ten restaurants in the world for a long time. And, and, and they, the people at Boston, the commuter car, the people who were in uh, procurement ate there every night. The guy's name was J. David White. We went in and we'd, we'd drink for like two hours. Those guys had an amazing capacity for booze. 
Then we'd have a cup of some wine with dinner, some after dinner. I mean, these guys, are, we're talking 10 drinks for these guys. And I would, wow. I was nowhere near that. And the next morning, they are bright. At 9 o'clock, you'd swear they, they, they had iced tea the night before. They yeah. were they were practice dudes. <laughs> it's like, anyway, SB Futures down 16. Nasdaq down 65. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.